Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Dave Hasty. Josh, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave Hasty. I'm Josh Betteridge. And I'm George Ashwell. And we are Before the Lights. Before the Lights. Before the Lights. We run a gym in central London where we train actors for film roles. Everything from superhero workouts... Is trying to work out with Hugh Jackman just ridiculously intimidating? Yeah. I was like, oh, I lifted a 160 deadlift or something. And he was like, oh, mate, that's really good. Well done. Why are you talking pounds or kilograms? <laughs> <laughs> to keeping people ticking over mentally and physically between jobs. When I'm working as an actor, you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew that life could be this amazing. When you're not working, that can then feel like... I remember all of those older actors who were very sad whenever they weren't working. And I'm like, now I I get it. (laughs) Our day-to-day is in the gym, but this is absolutely not a podcast about how to work out or get ripped. You might get the odd tip every now and again, because that is how we earn our living. But the main reason we're here is just to chat to our clients about their careers and their relationship with fitness. This is where I start to sound kind of like one of those one of those actors who's going to talk about his process. <laughs> um, like, you got to look after your instrument, man. Expect everything that goes on behind the scenes, when they're on set, on stage, or embarrassing themselves during a workout. It's me running, and you just see, like, my hands. <laughs> I keep on going. So you just see me kind of, you like, limping out of shot. I was first up for the relay team, and I didn't have any spikes. We set off, face-planted uh. on the ta- tarmac, and I just heard Scott Dawson, who I fancied so much, go, Scott. Liv, your ass is munching on your shorts! Like that. You're listening to the Before the Lights podcast. In this week's episode, we have Sasha Darwin. I thought his journey and his story is amazing, just where he's come from and his background with sort of Crohn's disease and fighting that. He's the master in Doctor Who. He's boy with a top knot. Iron Fist. He's the, is he the baddie in Iron Fist? He's not actually Iron Fist yet. He's the baddie in he's Iron Fist. He's the bad Fist. guy. He's always Fist. a baddie. But he's also he's a good guy. He's a nice he's guy. He's a very nice guy. We learned that. <laughs> we just, learned that in the podcast. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And he talks a little bit about how he feels representing the British South Asian community and the, a bit of the pressures that feels on his shoulders about that and what he does to try and push the the boundaries and, and help more people have more opportunities which is yeah. really amazing and inspiring to hear if for nothing else i think it's hands down the best 
funny story we've ever had. Oh, Dave, <laughs> Dave actually cried. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen I Dave cry with laughter lost, for ages. I completely lost it. <laughs> I still, it still makes me properly oh. laugh just thinking about it <laughs> when I'm on my own. It's amazing. <laughs> Does this feel like a relaxing setup for you? What do you mean? Like, like coming into here? Because suddenly, like, if I was someone who came in, like, fuck, there's like all of them. There's a camera. There's like microphones. There's Jimmy there watching. Is it relaxing to come in or is it a bit like, oh shit? Well, just because you just come out of an audition, I'm in the audition mode, so I'm a bit like, hey guys, <laughs> yeah. I know all of you, mate. Like, <laughs> they're judging me right now. <laughs> yeah. I better deliver. We're going to give you a job. <laughs> Not sure what the job is. <laughs> yeah. but... what you, would we for? We've got to deliver. You can just relax. There's yeah. nothing for this you is, to do. This really is all do. on us. You're just answering questions. <laughs> so let's start then, shall, shall we? we? I like to always look at George like, shall we? Can we start now? <laughs> I just want to make sure no one else is going to start talking because that happens. Would like to welcome this week's guest to the Before the Lights podcast, Mr. Sasha Dawan. Hey. hey. Thanks for What's having up, man? me, guys. Hello, Sash. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about how we first met, which I think was when you came in for Iron Fist. Iron Fist, yeah. Were, did we train for anything before that? Was that it? Actually, there was something before there was word getting round that, you know, I need to look good in terms word of... getting round, just, <laughs> just amongst your peers. They're like, you guys were around. They're like, if you want to get into shape, these guys are great, go meet them. Yeah. Um, and I think on my first session, I forgot that I just wasn't in shape at all. <laughs> and I remember doing my first session and getting through it, styling it out, got my protein shake from you, go, oh, see you later, guys, this is great. <laughs> see you soon. And then couldn't walk for about a week. <laughs> no <laughs> joke. It, I, I actually got worried. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to walk again. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually broken now. You know, you get going downstairs. I've, oh, I've yeah, definitely yeah. been We've in that boat. That. Yeah. Been in that boat. But I won't lie, I was a little put off. I was like, I don't think I can. I need to go to the gym myself and get to a certain level before I train with these boys. Or just <laughs> say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. You just go, I'm just going to no. quite. Quite knackered right now. But that's the thing. That. But that's the thing. It took me a while to kind of get my head around because I think my mentality was. The alpha male kind of get in the gym, you know, and show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get through it uh -huh. and not say anything. But then actually working with you guys is a completely different approach. There's, you know, it's it's specific for me. It's specifically ta tailored around my, my acting roles as well. But it doesn't feel like a conventional gym per se. Yeah. It feels like you're training with your mates and there isn't like a pressure to kind of perform or anything yeah yeah yeah. so yeah. i think i had a bit of time out and then came back, <laughs> came back. Came back. was Amazing. the first one the good boy with the top knot that was after the first season okay of Iron Fist. he's a busy man he's, he's been, been a busy, busy man. man he's been loads of stuff david yeah. david hasn't done his usual stream of everything that you've done which is what we normally start the session <laughs> i can yeah. list everything if you'd like <laughs> yeah go on I can on, go, then. well, the ones I know. <laughs> hey, Alexa. Yeah. Yes. Iron Fist. Yes. Yep. You did Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Boy of the Top Knot. Yeah. Which yep. you just spoke about. It doesn't really count. <laughs> I can't remember how we met you in the first place, but you did the History Boys. Yes. All those years ago with, a f who else? Was someone, I don't know, Sam Barnett. Remember. Sam Barnett and Stephen Campbell Moore. No, Stephen Campbell Moore, yeah. yeah. Stephen Campbell Moore. So you've been in the game for a very long time. I have, actually, yeah. yeah. Moved to London when I was... 18? Why is that? I mean, you moved Josh. Party time. No, I'm just for going party time. Of, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the listeners, Josh is for some reason Making pumping his fists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moved to London at 18. And you were at a party. Party. That was it. That was, was all that the what it was like then when you first came to London? Was it just. 
Well, I've been out. a little bit for auditions and stuff, but this was like the move. Yeah, and yeah, in my yeah. head, actually, for the History Boys, I thought it was just going to be six months contract for me, which is like, wow, felt yeah. like forever. So was that when you, you were 18 when you did that? Yeah, 18. That is like a big deal at That's, 18, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, young. Um, and I'd had an interesting kind of couple of years before that because I decided not to go to um, university. Took time out and thought, hey, I'm going to just focus on the acting because I worked as a child. And then it just, everything just dried up. Yeah. So I was just working with my dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Manchester. And uh, I totally just gave up on myself. My parents were great. They were like, it's going to be fine. I was like, fine, I'm saying, what am I doing in my life? Yeah. Everyone's gone to uni having all these experiences. Mm. And then over time, I just started going to classes in Manchester. And it was actually the best thing that could have happened because you, you ride on a wave where you're like, oh, yeah, this is what acting is. You just work all the time. You don't really evaluate yourself. Mm. At that point, I thought, you don't need to. Yeah. But it, it was the break, literally the break that I needed to not do anything, work with my dad, do some acting classes, try loads of different things. And I actually got used to that lifestyle of just being in town, mm -hmm. going to classes, working with my dad. And then this call came from the History Boys and it was like six months in London. But it changed my life because it ended up being like a couple of years of my life. Because that, that show toured literally everywhere, didn't it? Yeah, we did um, Broadway, Hong Kong, Sydney, New Zealand. And imagine just eight lads like the most insane kind of gap year ever <laughs> you know flying straight into hong kong and we've got like a show in two days time it's like right everyone drop your bags we're going out boys <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah josh <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like i was so blessed in that way because I, I really felt like i'd missed that when everyone's going to uni yeah 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 i was like oh i'm ever gonna get that experience and here i am you know yeah I literally thought, I wonder if the acting's going to continue. Maybe I need to go to drama school. And then suddenly I'm auditioning for a play by a writer that I'd studied for my GCSEs for. Like, when's that yeah, going to yeah, happen? Yeah. And then it was a new play that just, we did a film of it. We travelled. That wasn't expected. So it was mm. just a constant. I guess initially it would have just been the West End, right? Well, and then they see how it goes. Well, it was just at the National. Oh, basically. really? Yeah, stuff like new plays. You know, they don't always go into the West End. They mm. do kind of the National, the Royal Court. And suddenly if things do well, they know there's a market for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's what happened with us. We didn't go to the West End. Another cast did that because we were doing the... We're just doing the world tour. You're off <laughs> the world, just off the world yeah. tour. I felt like we were a boy band, actually. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. you the film after all of that? Um, we did. Or in the middle? I think the film was in the middle, actually. Jeez. Yeah, it's did, you wow. bored, did you get bored of the character at any point? <laughs> Five hundred shows. Can you imagine with eight guys on stage yeah. the pranks we pulled on each oh, other? Yeah. And talking about Stephen Campbell Moore, yeah. he didn't stay on for the full run, so he played our supply. He played the teacher, mm. the supply teacher, and poor guy. You know, in these scenes, he we don't talk a lot. He's leading it because he's teaching us, mm -hmm. and it was his last show before he went love him to bits but boy did we make his show so <laughs> difficult we he, so he comes on in one act in this um motorized wheelchair we tampered with that so on it when he came on it was like <laughs> his wheelchair was all over the place we put sweat patches and his costume change so he came on with these huge no. sweat patches 
we, he also he also had a briefcase. We squashed a football in there. So in the scene when he opens his case, bang! This ball came. I hit him in his face. He, no, and it was quality. we sent basically we sent him off in style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he manage to kind of? Did, was he professional? I mean, I'm have to take the piss out of it, but he could tell how angry he was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we had a joke, but when it came, you know, he had a lot of dialogue. But we did so many pranks on each other. People tying shoelaces to like tables and we had quick changes uh -huh. so when the lights went down you hear this oh fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna get off and then obviously the lights would come on and someone's still oh, yeah, yeah. yeah i guess when funny. you're doing that many shows in order to keep like the morale up and to keep you need those type of things to just keep you engaged with it I you guess. do i mean we got told off so many times but it became like the film Groundhog Day. You're like, oh my god, I'm in the wings. Yeah. I remember. I'm sure I was here. You know, yeah. every ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you also, you, that's a challenge in it in itself to keep it fresh and yeah. keep it alive because you kind of go into autopilot mode. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I've never done a job where because of the pranks and stuff like that, being on stage and crying with laughter. Mm -hmm. I remember with you know Sam Barnett as well, we were sitting next to each other in that scene, we'd look and tears would be <laughs> streaming. And what was so amazing about that experience is none of us anticipated that it was going to do so well. Yeah. I think in hindsight I kind of think to myself I should have maybe appreciated it a bit more. We all we all say that. Yeah. But I remember the last show, the like fifth hundred show and in Broadway. And you know the actor Richard Griffiths? Yeah. He has this beautiful speech at the end of the play. And we're all kind of sitting on the uh, the front of the stage. It's like a memorial service. And he kind of almost like pops up from the dead, as it were. It's his memorial service. And he has this beautiful piece of dialogue. And he says, pass the parcel, boys. That's all I wanted you to know, take it, feel it, and pass it on. Because he's passing knowledge on. And I say that because Richard played that speech in a way that wasn't acting. He was telling us. Because mm, yeah. we were we young guys mm. had this experience and wow. it hit us that we won't get win as boys aren't going to be together again and who knows what's going to happen and, and life did we went our separate ways we got married i got kids but i remember that speech and the lights came we looked we were all crying yeah, yeah. amazing yeah, it was just a really it's kind of like that is the end of your uni journey it was way, it? yeah we're like oh my god this is this is over you guys probably don't get the chance to be as all one unit because everyone's yeah. kind of spread out all over the place. And you mean right now? Yeah, yeah I imagine yeah. it's rare that you would ever... Very After rare. spending so much time with that group of people. Yeah. So many things have changed. You always slip into the dynamic of the group. So I was the baby. 100%. Right? Yeah. So as much as I'm like... I was like, when I meet them all again, like, I have a word with myself, like, come on, you're a, you're, you're a man now. <laughs> but I go in, I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can't scalp And they treat me like that. Yeah, you know? Yeah, They're like, yeah. I'm always going to be the baby of mm. the group. And James Corden particularly, he kind of broke me in because they could see how, like him, I'm really young and naive. Like I was the kid that turned up into, for rehearsals. After first week, I put a school tie on, you know, I was so keen. Yeah. I could see James being like, what a cock. <laughs> <laughs> and he knocked that out of it. Do you feel like, you could do that again? Because I imagine you weren't sleeping much and weren't training much and were eating yeah, like barely nothing type yeah, of thing. Yeah, I felt like I was totally invincible, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want to do it again, but knowing what I know now, I'd love to go back and have that experience again. Or yeah. just the section of it. Like yeah, yeah. The, the New York section mm. particularly. I only realised that now when my parents said to me, make the most out of that time meet as many people but i think i was so work conscious and i always have been that sometimes i just wish i took a few risks here and there you mm -hmm. know 
and, mm. and gained a bit more experience. I was always like the one that was a little bit like, listen, we're doing an all-nighter tonight. And I was like, oh, I kind of did an all-nighter the other day. And I've got, like, oh, you know, you know, it's that, that was what it was about, actually. It was the experience. And I think I was so focused on just doing the play. Yeah. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. From there to sort of where you are, say, today, like, you've learned probably so much about yourself physically, I'd say from a training perspective and looking after yourself. Because you are now, I'd say, is in pretty good shape right mm-hmm. now, Sash. Yeah. Man's Thanks, ripped. Lass. People, who was it earlier on, like, everyone's walking in just going, bloody hell, I haven't seen Sash for a while. Then, like, you'll leave the room and they're like, he looks amazing. <laughs> oh. no, no, no one says it to, like, someone, no. do they? Well, they do a couple of compliments when he's in the room. Then when he leaves, then they're like, mate. <laughs> what, what's happened? What? Yeah, it's really nice to hear. I think as time's gone on and you kind of learn more about your craft, you then also gain more confidence in your approach. And I think the physical element of it is not just a kind of aesthetic thing. It's part of the preparation for it. I love yeah. to be able to transform. I get so attached to the character. And that it's not just like how I'm going to perform it, but changing yourself physically really helps. Yeah. And I think Iron Fist was a big thing for that because it's like this guy can be is is small, but he can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about getting big. It was like, how can I carry myself in yeah, a certain yeah, way? Yeah. It pays dividends. So I go, it's all part of my preparation. And then when I go on set, I just feel like ready. It's an extension of the job, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 100%. You know that you're going to be doing X, Y, and Z and to be able to understand the physicality of it. To the it best is. And, and the thing is, I'm already feeling a bit like sad in terms of I've got I get so attached to it, and then suddenly the job finishes, and you're like, I don't want to lose this kind of fit, fitness. Yeah. Well, I can't, I won't. But you kind of like you're letting it go then. And you're yeah. like, oh, I don't even want to do another job. But then yeah. you do, and the cycle repeats itself. Yeah, you fall yeah. in love with your next character. That's that's interesting. You sort of feel like, oh, it's over because it just ends. The job yeah. just ends. Yeah. You know, and then you're like, you wake up, and you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. yeah, I remember you showing us some of the clips from like the fight rehearsals and stuff. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, fucking hell, that looks amazing. Like sometimes you watch those rehearsals of stunts and stuff, and you can kind of see, oh, there's like. It's you see the person, do you know what I mean? Like, because mm. we know you, you see the person, but like watching you do it, I remember just thinking, like, like that's the it looks the real deal. When you said you, Sasha showed you the video, that's when I first saw him as fucking oh, he's quite scary doing that <laughs> fight. Like, and then you suddenly realize you have to change yourself mentally and physically to be in that role yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah, they're going hand in hand emotionally and physically, and then it just I mean, I won't lie, I get this moment where. You, suddenly you are, you have been cast to something you you feel like you just blagged it all the way through and they're like go on then uh, and then you're like <laughs> you're literally near joke many a times kind of shut the door in my bedroom and i'm like i can't do this <laughs> they, like they're gonna find out like yeah, i'm yeah. A, and, and and literally i avoid the project for like a week or so just kind of spinning my head going i can't do that and like no, i have to you have to start it somewhere and then you have a lot of fear. Like even now, I'm like, I'm operating a bit like that because I start my next job. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit like, God, I hope I've done all this training. I hope I can, you know, the, the camera's going to be like, there. They're going to, right, let's see what you can do because you've got no rehearsals. And you're just hoping that, oh, I hope this all comes together. And But suddenly, for me, you do all that kind of prep and then you just get in front of the camera and it just it just clicks and you go, oh, there, it, there he is. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I, I've ne- and it's... I can never quite prepare for that. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just hope this time, fingers crossed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's happened before, it'll happen again. Yeah, yeah. That's what's always interests me, and I don't think I've ever asked anyone about it, is, like, you have that kind of, all that preparation, and like you say, just one day it, like, clicks, and you've got it, and that's normally day one, and you're like, oh, I know it now. 
What happens, like, ha- have you ever lost it? <laughs> have you ever, like, lost the character? Like, you're in, you've been, like, two weeks in or, like, you see, like, a chronological shift in, like, day one to day two and you're like, oh, no, we're, like, three weeks later and he has to be different because this has happened. Yeah. Do you ever go, oh, I don't really know how that works? Yeah, and actually, two things. That can unlock something and mm. you've got to l- embrace, embrace the... The, the mishaps, the because sometimes I have a need of control and to know exactly what I'm doing, and mm. that, that can actually get in the way. And I'm starting to realise to kind of just let it go a bit more mm. uh, and take a take a bit of a risk and embra- embrace that and not let it scare you. So with my prep, I'll do loads of meticulous prep on you know the character's backstory and invent all these things that I might not necessarily play, but I'll also I'll get to a point where. I won't over rehearse stuff. Mm. I don't really look at the dialogue as much because I just want to save it for the day, but also make sure I can be malleable. So a director can go, no, that doesn't work. Do the complete opposite. And then it just clicks into place. You never really know how the scene's going to go until you're, you're on the floor with it, with a bunch of other Mm. actors. In my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so different. Okay, I can adapt. Because they're all doing that as well. Yeah, everyone's adapting. And I think that's where the real magic happens. Mm. It's just allowing that to happen but just on a bigger level i'm trying to now is like give up control a little bit you know because then yeah. things will it'll go the way it should do and i think i sometimes can get in the way of that a little mm. bit and on that note do you do you use any sort of mindfulness meditation are you like an advocate of that kind of thing when it comes to sort of maintaining good mental health during preparation or during shooting oh mate no, i'm solid mate no oh, i yeah. don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> um well this is like oh, this is a, like a big discussion but yeah going back to the history boys and you kind of think at that time that you're just completely invincible in a mm. way you're not because re- during the history boys time while i was on tour i got uh, diagnosed with crohn's disease and at that time i didn't know much about it i don't think a lot of people knew exactly what was going on and obviously because i was abroad as well it was like i couldn't quite get medicated properly so i kind of took some medication and then the disease went into remission Mm. now for me at that time i thought yeah that's how it works you get medication i'm fixed i was smoking drinking having the best time ever didn't think anything of it Mm. it went away i was i was fine and my lifestyle was completely up and down. And then it was only when I did Iron Fist, the first season, trained really hard, the stress levels were out of this roof, and then was filming, I could feel like abdominal pains again. Then the bleeding started, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my God, I've got Crohn's disease again. It's flared up. And they're like, oh, no, no, you've always had Crohn's yeah. disease. And I was like, wait, I thought I got... No, 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 it, it's not curable. But it opened up this whole thing of many years of trying to understand the disease and i talk about it a lot in terms of mental health because what what i've written it seems sounds so simple but it's taken me years to realize this is that the the brain plays such a huge part in that and if you're not focusing on healing the brain as Mm -hmm. a muscle then the gut kind of fails direct link between the two there is There's, there's a reason why people say there's that kind of the gut feeling and following your gut instinct. Exactly, and all that kind 100%. Of stuff. Is, they call, they call a, it the second brain as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And only recently it feels like now people are talking more about the mental health side of it. Obviously, the effect Crohn's disease has on your mental health, but also your mental health state can also flare Yeah, it's up. kind of like a 
it's a cycle, isn't it? Well, chronic, chronic, chronic isn't pain it? or yeah. chronic illness, there is a cycle of being kind of trapped in it. Exactly. Are there things that you've learned as like tools to, to work on it and manage yeah. it? Well, talking about it. I don't have a fear of talking about it. It actually helps me every time. I always learn by talking about it. Because yeah, yeah. mm. like you guys will say something, oh yeah, that's, mm. that's true. But I think the biggest thing was... Um, focusing on my mental health so here's me for so many years focusing on focusing on the bowel having so many hospital trips and that kind of thing of kind of getting back on the wagon and <laughs> uh training hard and then suddenly the next day you're in hospital and you can't mm. train again and it's like mm. oh, i need to find some balance here and actually it was the mental health side of things that opened up this whole big thing mm. not just talking about the crohn's disease but it started to make me think about how us as men don't talk about our feelings and then thinking about, yeah, when I was in high school, those lads, we never really talked about. It goes back to that thing in the gym of being like the alpha male. We just, yeah. we just hold our emotions in. And actually, not only going, hey, I've got Crohn's disease, uh, but I'm an actor that suffers from anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've got really bad anxiety. And I think I've had it for years, but as in, I kind of just brushed it under the carpet. And actually it became just a part of me. And I just thought, oh yeah, but I guess everyone has this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then slowly unpicking it has completely turned my life around. And that's not just me going, oh, I'm just going to read books or find whatever. It was actually asking for help and going at, going to the lowest of the low, picking up a phone and saying to someone, I need to see, I need help mentally. Like, mm. I can't, because my, my Crohn's is as bad. I don't know. I get, I'm so nervous about when I go on set and no one will ever know this. And I, at this state, in, at my point in my life, I'm like, I, I didn't know who, I, I literally didn't know who I was. That's mm. how bad it had got. I was just hiding myself in work and characters. But actually having the confidence to speak to someone for help was a complete life-changing thing. And I kind of thought, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Particularly particularly guys. Yeah. I mean, when when, you know, the therapist said to me, okay, so what's the problem? At that moment, I thought I'd completely failed. And I think that's the issue here. Failure, fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was the best thing over time. It was the best thing. And and then my diet changes, my lifestyle, work-life balance. Yeah. I I, I was starting to find myself again. And my priorities became less about the characters, but more about me. Like, who's Sasha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's freed me up a little bit yes. and it doesn't mean the, ang- the anxiety never goes away but I learned to manage it I think I've been quite lucky that I don't know what what it was but I'd always felt like I could say something to friends and mm. family and stuff but there's a lot of people that don't have that that mm. luxury mm. I suppose. Yeah, so, and, and sometimes I mean I've always had a very very open relationship with my friends and my family but I've had therapy before and there was it was a time when it wasn't I didn't want to say it to anyone I probably did have the conversation but it's like you don't delve deep enough and my personality is to kind of brush it off anyway. So I'd be like, I'd say something and I'd be like, oh yeah, but I'm fine now. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd talk about it because I knew I wanted to and I'd be like, but it's not that big a deal. Yes. When actually do. someone pressing you and going, all right, no, we're going to spend an hour talking about this. Yeah. Like, you can't get out of this. Yeah. This is time to really like dig, dig deeper. D- yeah. That's when I finally was like, all right, yeah, no, but it was quite bad and whatever. Or, yeah, or like, yeah, I'm not yeah. feeling great. And that's like, now knowing that I will spend more time talking to whoever it is. And it's it's made me kind of now so much more generous as a person, I think. I was chatting to a friend about this the other day, about just how important curiosity is. Mm. You know, to... I, 
especially as actors, sometimes we get just wrapped up in our journeys and <laughs> yeah. we, love talk, God, we love talking about ourselves. <laughs> but it's kind of like handing the mic over and, and asking, like, how are you? What's your story? Mm. What's your... And it sounds so selfish, but I, I, I gain so much from it yeah. by learning about other people. Yeah. Like, you know, I know, Josh, like, we'll train and stuff and we kind of do our thing, but I know there'll be a time where we'll go for a drink or something. I guess, like, what's your story, mate? Yeah. And I'll go, God, I know Josh was such a dick. That's, that's <laughs> the question. I was going to say, mate. I was going to say. <laughs> that's a whole can of worms. No you know, right, no right. Honestly, thanks, Ash. Honestly, yeah, that's, that, great. that's like, I think you said so many, just in that little bit, we're not finishing. <laughs> But no, thank <laughs> okay, wrap this up. No, 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 no. But honestly, <laughs> we're just about to talk about. I think shit now after this, so I think like, what yeah. you what you said there is not only what probably all the other guests who've come on who's dived into something, which is probably really really important for anyone in your industry, but anyone else out there who sort of might have thoughts or feelings or just feels a bit weird sometimes and can't compute it. Josh, what do you reckon people should do if they're a fan of this podcast? Oh, um, I think they should like it, share it, and subscribe to it. Well done. That's great. Yeah, I like that. Let's wheel it round to talking about The Great, which was like a massive success, wasn't it? And like the character that you play in that, it's like the polar opposite of mm. a, a Marvel supervillain. Mm. Did you find like the, the, the change between a guy that's all about kind of like fighting and being in that Marvel universe to to playing Orlo in the great is yeah I mean that's kind of that's the challenge really the real it's challenging yourself and go, okay so I've played that guy in in the Marvel universe am I able to play someone the polar opposite mm. and I was thinking you know, if I can get into their headspace I can do it I can challenge mm-hmm. myself and so that's why the great was just the perfect opportunity to do that and the best writer possible, you know, Tony McNamara done the favourite, great cast, Nick, Nicole mm-hmm. L. Fanning, just a, a brilliant cast. I knew I was in safe hands. And he's been acting loads since uh, as a kid, but he carries, well, again, what you don't see is how he carries himself off camera. He's a real leading man and incredibly generous. And, and I've said to him before, I'm like, it's like uncle or something, right? God, you're a real gent. <laughs> yeah, I'm always saying that. Like, you know, what a gent you are. You can tell that's an actor that started off as a kid and learned almost like along the way. I was thinking like an, an older actor's gone, listen to me. If you, if well, it can go one or two ways, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so just keep an eye and on he's been. Uh, he did tell me, I think you could probably tell. He said there was a really fun day where you were filming around a lake. And he was on one side of the lake and you lot on the other and you were sending each other cocktails because it was the end of the week. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah so he was like, he's making cocktails. Send, yeah, he'd be like, he'd like make, he'll mix one up and he'd be like, send them over some Moscow mules. And I'm then he'd like, interested okay. in the logistics of this. So how, like, they'd how get, does it get to the other side of the lake? We had a, we had a there was a, a boat. There was yeah. a, they, a cocktail I, boat. Yeah, cocktail yeah, basically, yeah. Does that mean there is a scene in that show where you're all absolutely shit-faced? <laughs> shit-faced all the way through. <laughs> all the way through. You can get away with it when you're probably 18th century Russian? Yeah. 18th century? Yeah, yeah. What is it? 18th what? century. Right. Oh, nice. For, for non-film non people, what is it they shout last shot of the day? Martini? Oh, martini, yeah. Yeah, Martini. Oh God, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Martini. Martini, there you that's go. That's what you do. You have a drink. What is that like? Shot of the day. Like, that's not just, just from the great. That's just an industry yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was the first job I did. I heard it and I was like, oh, that's cool. They do this, that on this job. They call my, no, yeah, every, that, every, every job. Yeah. Martini. Like, that's something that happened in like Hollywood in the like the 40s or something. And it's just been going ever since. 
are we, are we calling Martini on this we'll podcast? We'll call Martini on that, on that segment. On Ma- yes. Well, segment. There's a bit I wanted, something I wanted to talk about, because I, th- I know that you've been vocal on it before, and it's something we've spoken about with Julie Harkin, the casting director, is how getting roles that are sort of traditionally white roles or have been white roles, I guess The Great is a good example of that because it's such a diverse cast, isn't it? And that your history of, or body of work, I suppose, has been across a bunch of different things and, you, and you've been quite vocal about how it's time for opportunity for people of British Asian descent. Is that something that influences your choices of your jobs a little bit as well? It, it does. I've had kind of um, an interesting journey with it because I felt like that there isn't a, a strong enough space for it. Mm. You know, mixed identity english and indian i'm a bit i've kind of a bit like ah i don't feel white enough and i don't feel brown enough so i've just been spending most of the time trying to fit in either camp and it goes back to one of the reasons why i was having therapy was i don't know who i am Mm -hmm. it's causing all these kind of anxieties and actually uh, one of the things now just in life is uh, is embracing my british south asian identity and saying that i can be both I can sit in both camps and that informs all my decisions but the journey that I've been on it is is sometimes putting too much pressure on myself to represent the South Asian community because especially if you're fortunate enough to be in those positions where you're doing shows like The Great you kind of have a bit of a come on I've got to you put so much pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. and then I have to say to myself well I ain't a politician Mm. and sometimes that stuff can get in the way so I'm trying to find a nice balance a little bit where not every decision I make or, or everything that I talk about has to be about British South Asian yeah, identity. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just take the pressure off a little bit. So I kind of go from project to project. And sometimes I'll look at something and I'll go, okay, uh, this is written for a white dude and I'm really happy to be in it. But I'm finding the confidence to say this needs some cultural specificity mm-hmm. not kind of like the general general kind of okay so let's say he had an arranged marriage all this general stuff it's actually focusing in on being really mm-hmm. specific so i'm starting to have those kinds of conversations with those projects doesn't mean the story revolves around that but it just means i'm embracing my british south mm-hmm. i'm not hiding away from it yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but on the flip side sometimes i'll look at a character and they'll say, could you like, change the name? Should we put in a bit of cultural... And I go, I don't think the, the story needs, actually. Mm. I'm just going to play this character. Yeah. As opposed to all my decisions were like, no, I need to think about my British South Asian identity and fly that flag. And I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, it's just being you as an actor, isn't that's it? That's exactly... Like you're chosen for your... Your, your ability as an actor yeah and you don't have to you don't have to like exactly you don't have to heap like, that extra load on volume. yourself do you like i mean i played the master in doctor who he's an he's an alien from a different planet i mean i, I didn't think there was room to put cultural <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not doing your job there mate yeah no. i feel like i feel like his mum wouldn't cook him a roast chicken on a yeah. <laughs> he'd actually eat something different yeah <laughs> um so yeah i take it from and it's exactly just be just be the actor you yeah, know, do the best that you can do. And I think I went through a phase of kind of operating from a place of anger. But like, who am I? <laughs> like, like, I'm angry at these people in the boardroom or something. Yeah. And then I felt like I ended up feeling a little kind of segregated, like us and them mm. kind of thing. And actually, I'm, I, I 
felt like I'm lacking an opportunity here for development in terms of having the confidence to have those conversations. Mm. I've just done a job recently. For the first time, we had an open conversation and he put his hands up and said, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to write, but I need you to educate me. And that's what I'm, we're talking about yeah. a lot today. It's like, don't be afraid of having those mm. conversations. Yeah, yeah. Don't just sit there and be like, oh, mm. just operate from a place of anger. Just say, look, actually, if we are going to introduce this, my character will not be eating samosas the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what he, a delicious job that would be. Yeah, <laughs> I know, wouldn't it? Um, and it's great. It was a really kind of brilliant learning curve working with this writer on my last job to have those conversations and you need the time in order to do that I'm still learning that when I first started acting I was like in my teens and there's very few of us say you're just trying to fit in as a white dude mm. um, and I think I'd always to my own detriment walk into a room as if I'd won a competition <laughs> I was always very like I'm so gra- apologizing all the time. Sorry, wow. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, wow. but it had a it had a huge effect on me. It's why I'm so anxious. I'm putting so much pressure on myself, and so I'm learning to own my space. I was born here, mm. and I'm British South Asian. And I'm proud of it. And suddenly, I go into a room like God. They're really lucky to be working with me right now. Yeah. You know, you've got to have you got to own totally. that. You got to literally say that to yourself totally. out loud and not be afraid of calling out bullshit yeah, 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 yeah. Without fear of having the feeling that you've won a competition and they might kick you out. Yeah. I'm like, if you do and also if you're doing it in a constructive way, it's like you're helping them. It's like you're not yeah. you're not doing it to fight. You're doing it to go, no, we can make this better together mm. for both of us. Exactly. Like, it, I I will say this, it's not about kind of just just fight to get a place on the table. It's like I've got just as much power and clout to kind of go and build my own table and get my own people around it if there I want go. to. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm striving for. I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah. It just makes me, it makes us, I carry myself in a certain way. And that's why I go, actually, I can play that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to, sh- I'm going to work twice as hard to show when I turn up on set. You go, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm now I'm fighting a bit more of a yeah, and you and you pick and choose your fights and yeah. where where it's relevant. You yeah, you make your voice known, and that's that's yeah. I think that's how it changes. Exercise can be a really important part of that process, and that sometimes people don't necessarily realise like the importance of well, not the importance, but like the benefit of of working in something when it's uncomfortable yeah, and doing it. And at the moment you don't want to do it and it's, it's like, Oh, I've had enough of this, but yeah. you can do it. You can get through and you can get mm. onto the other side of it. And that not saying that exercise fixes everything, but it's something that can really help with those things in particular. Mm. I mean, if I'm going through periods of anxiety, sometimes my tendencies are just setting that. I'm sorry, I'm just going to sit and not see anybody. But actually, it's forcing myself to do some exercise because actually the structure of something, counting your reps, counting your sets, it puts my focus on that and actually makes the anxiety just calm down a little bit. Changing that daily routine as well. If you get up and train first thing in the morning, the next two or three hours after that are the most sort of productive hours you're going to have. Your brain's switched on, you've got more oxygen in your brain. And and that will help you with all of that. And always come back home feeling different yeah. but it's nice to hear like what exercise can do for you like because so many people use it as a you know it's a good reason to train to make yourself feel better but i feel like you've gone one more than that like you've really taken yourself to an amazing level when you do train it's it really is a hundred percent effort mm. but not you're not over focusing you're not like putting yourself in a detrimental position you're not getting injured no. you just train while you eat well and you just put yourself into whatever your character mode that's is. just reminding me of i think it was like two weeks ago i was training in the other room whilst you were 
around the corner and I could see you in the mirror and I could hear you guys training and I was like, I really can't be fucked today. <laughs> I was literally standing on a box holding two dumbbells just going, oh, I could just stop, couldn't I? And then I looked up and I saw, I was like, all right, here we go. And I was like, genuinely, I was like, that's what I needed to get through. Sasha's the, the, like, grand, the, the, the grand motivator. <laughs> no, it's... it's it, He's up in the levels for us. I think I just want... I don't know if I... It's, it's nice because I don't think I'd just do, I'd be able to do that on my own in the gym. It's like you come to see your mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a little bit of banner at the beginning. Oh, you doing, mate? And suddenly, just suddenly, you're like, give me a what? Give me another ten. <laughs> <laughs> come on, you're like, come on, yes, come on. You're like, you know, you're just literally <laughs> trying to change the world. You know? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, it's embarrassing stories time. We've always got some good stories from our guests. We'd love to hear yours though. Go onto our Instagram before the lights UK. Drop us a DM with your most embarrassing gym story, and we'd love to read them. Have a laugh with you. Listen to the embarrassing stories. Da da da. I like it. Da da da. da. Yeah. No. There we go. That's that done. <laughs> but this is the Martini, the Martini of our podcast. The Martini is, of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything that you did in a gym or on set, if you haven't got a gym story, that is truly embarrassing and that you want to let go of today? I've got two stories. Amazing. One's in the gym and one's an audition. Amazing. Can I do both? We'll have both. Yes. Thank you very much. I can't decide which one. <laughs> we'll take both. Jimmy's like, yes, please. This has been uh, full of shit. <laughs> um, so gym one is, you know, when you're... I used to be scared of the squat rack. I was just like, oh, it's very oh, alpha so. male and oh, like, I don't so. know. But I thought, I'm going to try it today. So lo- loaded up way too heavy. <laughs> then I think I did one rep and just about got through it. And then you know, you, you know when you go down and you're like, I'm not coming up. I'm fucked. <laughs> and then the washing machine kind of, and you're like, I've got to get through this. So I managed to just get through after one rep and boy, am I sweating now. And like, I just, you know, in your head, like I want to go home, but now I'm here. Then I thought, okay, I'll take all the weights off. But forgot that you've got to take them off like one side and then the other. Oh no. But I took off all the ones on the left. So all the ones on the right went flying in the air and literally nearly crashed on this guy's head. And he went, so brilliant. What's your fucking problem, mate? <laughs> As if I did it intentionally. Yeah, yeah. On purpose. <laughs> you just style it out and be like, it's amazing how you quickly recover in the gym, but inside you're like, you are dying. <laughs> you're absolutely dying. Yeah. So this barbell has just gone out. Oh, you can see it going like, oh, Fuck, it's, it's like it's slow motion. Like there's nothing, nothing you can do about, do about it. it. No, it's because you're holding the weight. Yeah, you're just holding it, it and it matters. <laughs> you know, if like someone wasn't there, it's fine. But your mate is standing there, like looking at himself in the mirror, and he's in his own zone where a fucking flying twenty <laughs> kilogram weight is landing on his head. What's your problem, mate? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry I said I'm, I'm sorry. No, we've, we've learned now. You have to own it. You say. You do that again, mate. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. it's a fucking warning, yeah. Terry. Yeah. I'm coming great, for you. It's a great start. I'm interested in the that second story. Yeah. So yeah. The second story one. was an audition, and I'd been. This is just after the History Boys. I hadn't been in an audition room for years, and it was for um, a theatre company called Complicite. I'm not sure if you heard of them, but they're all very movement based. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so I turn up, and I forget that this is kind of a movement audition. I turn in with my could turn up with my my pointy shoes on, you know those winkle pickers that yeah, like, yeah, everyone yeah. had. Yeah, so I turn up. Everyone's in kind of like trainers and jogging pants. They're all stretching. I'm like they're stretching. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, the long and short of it is, I couldn't get into this workshop, and it's led by this absolute genius called Simon McBurney. He's an actor. He set set, uh, set up Complicity, and in my head. My voice went, you've got to show him something today. You've got to, because right now, he, he hates you. 
Right, Ekatar just wasn't getting into it. So he goes, right, calls a few of us up, few of us up in front of us. about 30 people in this workshop. And he says, um, okay, guys, you're in, um, you're a, I want you to be in like a lift. And the lift suddenly shoots down 60 floors. And I want you to give me, a, I want a big reaction. I want it so goddamn big. And then I want you to bring the performance down, down, down till you fall asleep. But Simon Burney does this thing that when he talks, he'll talk and I want you to, and he stops and then he'll start again. But it, cause he's processing his own thought yeah, in yeah. that pause, I swear to God, his assistant looked at me and like, we'll do something then. <laughs> and I don't know where it came from, but I went, ah, shit myself. <laughs> he then says to me, hey, 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 I'm not finished talking yet. As if I'm taking the piss out of it. And it wasn't, it just came out. The whole, this is a very serious workshop and everyone is crying like you guys right now. And I'm dying. And my friend happened to be Why in the workshop. Why did wo- you say that? I don't know, it just came out, I shit myself. Oh my God. <laughs> right, and the worst thing is, then he went, okay, now you can continue. I did it again, ah, shit myself. And imagine going from there to then bring the performance down, down, down till you fall asleep. And it's supposed to be a serious thing, but as I'm declared, I've shat myself. And then I'm going into a small kind of sleepy position. Everyone's crying with laughter, apart from Simon McBurney, like this guy is... He's taking yeah. the piss out of me. <laughs> Just the uh, idea of you <laughs> showing that, then, but then pretending to like make you go to sleep. <laughs> and I did oh. it in such an actory pose as well. It's like so oh, I'm shit myself. <laughs> I can't get over the bit of that. Just then, yeah. But then the next thing you do is pretending to go to sleep. Honestly, and I felt so sorry because there were other actors in that scene who they were like, "What are we supposed to do with it?" They just stood. They just actually just stood back and went, "I've just got to let this guy do do his thing." Did you get in? Did I get in? He didn't even say goodbye to me at the end of the audition. I went to shake his hand. He just ignored me. Oh my god! Oh, I've never cried for a while. That's just one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, (laughs) nice. Let alone. Out of the context of this podcast, that's yeah. just amazing. I'm going to be thinking about that when I'm just walking around on my own. <laughs> just like you going like, and then just, just the slowly going. You know, what, you know what's that to go to sleep? You know what's funny so is funny. I went full committal because like my voice oh, went, man. show him, show him, go on, do it. <laughs> I've shit myself. And when you're halfway, you know, getting in it, into it, and the doctor's like, hey, hey, hey. And you're like, oh, what, sorry? <laughs> you kind of go, too much? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. So if you didn't make contact with... Um, eye contact with the assistant or the PA or it would, I would have not said it, it I swear <laughs> and the thing is it was almost as if when I'd done it she's like nothing like she she was like well, I wouldn't say anything what are you doing you done, break you? <laughs> absolutely done you oh right well, oh fuck it oh, that was amazing we need to we need to wrap it up but yes. we also need to talk about what you've got coming up in the pipeline so but yes. he's already let that pipe out, mate. Did, did you not hear? He's already let, let that go. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's in the pipeline anymore. Um, so I've got this show coming out for Channel 4. It's called Suspect with a brilliant um, James Nesbitt. Uh, they're doing these like half-hour episodes. Like They're two-handers. It's kind of a um, crime thriller, I'd say. And then I'm going back on to The Great, season three. And I'm about to start a new series for the BBC called Wolf. A really brilliant crime thriller it's not quite what you expect it's not the usual bbc crime thriller uh, written by um megan gallagher made by hartswood films who did sherlock Nice. so yeah looking for that's what we've been training for it oh, sounds amazing yeah. sasha has given me a slight insight into his sort of character and i just can't wait 
putting those three things that he told me together to see a how it is it's gonna be an amazing show and actually be how he performs and how he looks and see hey. if he shits himself yeah <laughs> <laughs> do it <laughs> do it anyway yeah <laughs> oh well sash i can't or we can't thank you enough for coming on no I think thank it's you been, this has been a hell of an episode mm. <laughs> I cried with laughter at the end. Dave was crying. I saw Dave crying on the other side of the room here. (laughs) But it's been amazing. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, Ash. That was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you, my friend. Cheers. Woo! Woo Woo-woo! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.